Today's episode of Mint Arrow Messages is with my dear friend Kara Brooke from the brand Mascara Beauty. Kara and I talk all about her journey with fostering, foster to adopt, and how that's changed her family. And we talk a lot about the misconceptions of foster parenting and adopting. And we just really get into the light of how beautiful this process can be and has been for her and her family. Kara has been a friend of mine for almost five years. I was thinking about it earlier today, and we met five years ago in November. Wow, that's Um, crazy. I know. And she has always been just, she is she. Like, I can just talk to you. Um, I don't know. You've just always been so kind. And even when we first met, I will never forget that, that I was like this tiny, tiny, very beginner, just a few months into my blog itty bitty blogger and you were this like big deal blogger and you were so kind to me you were um and it's just so cool to see what you've done now so just give us a little bit of background on you and what you're all about and you're not just blogging now so tell us kind of give us the background first okay so I am a blogger I don't really blog that much anymore sadly but I Ever since I was in fifth grade, I wanted to start a makeup line. I just always had this feeling like there was this something missing in the beauty industry, which is kind of crazy because it's a really big industry. But even at 11 years old, I could tell that so many women didn't feel comfortable with their makeup and didn't really, it had not, in my opinion, been made easy enough and streamlined enough and simple enough to make people feel included rather than to make it seem like a really exclusive club. So it's all I ever wanted to do was start a makeup line that was just, anyone could do it. And um, so I started a blog as a single mom. It's got to be like seven years ago when I first had my baby. I knew I had to kind of move forward on this dream that I'd always had. So I started a blog. It was the one way I could think of that I could step forward with no money and kind of no connections And just kind of worked at that blog and it grew and grew until I was able to get some people to um, work with me on the makeup line. And then I released the makeup line about four years ago. And um, yeah, so now I mostly run the makeup company and I'm a mom of four with one on the way. And um, yeah, that's a little about me. (laughs) I still remember when you launched mascara as a makeup company and I remember it being on black Friday and staying up till midnight waiting for it to launch and buying my little (laughs) hack pack. Um, That was such a fun, that was such a fun release. I, cause you have a vlog and you don't really know if people are going to follow you to this new venture. And then to have, it was just like overwhelming support. We were sold out by the next day. It was just so fun and exciting. So crazy. Yeah, that's like, what a journey. So now, how many women do you have in this like army of makeup hashtag? (laughs) So what's really cool, yeah, is about a little over a year ago, we turned it into an artist program. So we still have the e-commerce company, but now we have an artist program. So other people can do basically what I did, which was I was able to stay with home with my son and as a single mom make a living by making people feel beautiful, which is really fun. And we've been able to grow that. We have 7,000 artists. It's crazy. Every state in every state. And um, it's so exciting to see 
how much um, it blesses their lives, just helping the women around them and being able to help themselves and put food on the table through it. And it's just really been a really cool experience. That is so cool. I know, yeah, I, I have several friends who are mascara artists. Is that what you call them, mascara yes, artists? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just been a blessing for all of them, and it's so cool to see them succeeding and doing something that is fulfilling. Like, what a cool thing that you started something that's now empowering all these women. It's It's pretty awesome. It's so exciting, and I don't, like, that's that's what's cool about it is it's, yeah, I, I, you know, I took that step to start it, but it's become such a collaborative effort and just... It's, you know, it's not my success anymore. It's success shared with thousands and thousands of people, and it's just so much fun. That's amazing. Well, I am so excited for you and all of your success. It's just cool to watch, and and I think the more, the thing that's even more impressive to me is how grounded you've stayed and how principally based you are. But what I really wanted to talk to you today about, and I'll tell you where my interest really peaked in all of this, was an Instagram post that I saw you do Uh maybe a year ago or two years ago, like within the last year or two. um, And I think you're probably already thinking of the one that I'm maybe thinking of the one that I'm thinking (laughs) of. Um, But you talked about in your Instagram post how you were at a point in your life where you felt like you just couldn't fit it all in. And you had these two little boys, and I'll let you talk about it from there, but do you know which one I'm okay. talking about? yes, I know exactly which one. I knew okay. when you said it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's just, like, the craziest thing. So I, you know, I had my mascara line and the blog and the two little boys, and I just felt like I could never do enough or be enough, and I was just feeling so down on myself. I just felt guilty constantly, and was just feeling like I was just blowing it as a mom and a business owner. And so I prayed about it and I had always kind of wanted to be involved in adopting an older child at some point. It was just, it's something that my aunt did and it's something that I kind of always had in the back of my head that I wanted to do. And I just kept getting this feeling like that's what I needed to do. That was the steps that I needed to take. And It sounded pretty crazy to me (laughs) that I'm sitting here praying that I have way too much and I cannot do it all and like help me. And the answer is do more, but it was a very strong feeling. So I just started looking into it and started talking to Nick, my husband about becoming foster parents. And he was in the same place that I was feeling, you know, like we had so much in our on our plate and, and understanding the stress that I was feeling. So he was kind of shocked that I was bringing it up. Um, and he was like, I knew you wanted to do this, but maybe in the future. And I just said, I know, I know that's what I said, but I just think we need to do it right now. So he said, okay, well, if you have a strong feeling, let's go through the classes. So we went through the process of becoming foster parents, which is, a you know, a collection of classes and some paperwork and just some things like that. And I remember the night before we were having our home study, which is one of the last steps. So once you pass your home study, they license you. And Nick was just like, oh my gosh, we're really doing this. How are we going to, like, what are we thinking? Are we crazy? (laughs) And I was kind of feeling the same way. I was just like, well, if it doesn't feel right, 
because you get a call and then you can either say yes or no to that call. Okay. And, and is I this just, something he had always wanted to, or was this kind of like you wanted it and then he was like, okay, I could do that? It was more the latter. He was harder to convince, but my son, my oldest son, he adopted, so he he knew he could love a child just as much as he would love, you know, a biological child, and so he knew he had that in him. But I think his reservations were just, is this child going to hurt our children? Is he going to come in here and mess up this good thing we have going? Like, we have a happy family. Should we mess with that? And I think a lot of husbands and fathers feel that way because that's kind of their job is to protect their family. So it can be... It can be a big ask to say, can we bring someone unknown into this home? And it just kind of takes them seeing that person as a human being that needs love. And I think that really changed it for him was going through the classes and seeing that perspective shift. Okay, so you guys felt like the classes really helped. They did. They they helped and they hurt <laughs> for us because they really try to prepare you. And I think that they should. So, you know, you're going through kind of a roller coaster when you're going through the classes of feeling like, oh, this is really heavy and feeling like, but, but this is so important. Right. That makes sense. So what happened next? So we, about two weeks after we realized it was kind of crazy because, I mean, I always hear this when I hear about adoptions, just kind of the happenstance of how they come together is usually kind of cool. But the guy that came to do our home study who's just the greatest, he came and he said, okay, you know, I'll, I'm headed out for a vacation right after this. So I'll probably get your home study licensure back to you, like in a couple of weeks, cause I'll be back and then I'll, I'll run it. I just said, okay, that's fine. And then he left. And before the end of the afternoon, I got an email and it was our license. And he said, actually, I just decided to do this before I went out of town and so here it is. So but that reason that's so cool is because Brayden came into care about a week after that. So had he not done that license, we wouldn't have been licensed at that point. And they wouldn't have been able to call us. Wow. So I got a call about Brayden and he, they just said, I have this 10 month old baby. I think they said nine months, but he was 10 months, which is something you if anyone does this, they'll know that sometimes they have the wrong information. Oh, wow. But um, they said, we have this 10-month-old baby. We need to find a home for him. Um, what do you think? I can send you a picture. You can call your husband, that sort of thing. So I said, okay, send me a picture. I'll call my husband. I was a little bit shocked because at that time we had a little boy that was a year and a half. And I was totally expecting a four-year-old, a five-year-old. I didn't think we'd get a baby. But I was just. They sent us the picture, and I, I forwarded the picture to Nick, and he was just like, let's go pick him up right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just fall in love with him, and he's just Because so he's cute. so cute. He is so cute. And it was just craziest feeling when you, for me, when I brought him into the home, I didn't know how I would feel. I didn't know how long it would take to feel those motherly feelings, you know? I've babysat a lot, right. and I've never felt those feelings, and... So I just didn't know how it would translate. And the second I saw him, I just felt this overwhelming feeling of love for him. And it's just so bonding to be taking care of someone that needs you so much. And that's why I think being a mom is so bonding. And it was, 
I would say days before I just felt for him the way that I feel for my um, biological children. I think it took longer for Nick, but I think in general, it takes longer for men. Um, right. But it was, that was one of the most cool surprises for me was how quickly I was able to just, he was able to just melt into my heart and just become one of my, one of my kids. That's so awesome. How did your, so how did your boys respond to that? So Christian, as we were doing the classes, I was preparing him. We read a little book from kind of the perspective of a foster child and he's just got a huge heart anyway. He's just, he loves being a big brother. He loves taking care of, you know, his siblings. So he was just a perfect fit. And he, Billy, his, you know, his other brother is just, he's like super independent, not cuddly, like kind of just couldn't care less about what Christian was up to. So Brayden really filled this place in Christian's heart that he just, Brayden is as cuddly as he could possibly be. He's ticklish. He just adores Christian. And it was like, when we got the call, we didn't pick him up until the next day in the afternoon. And so Christian was just dying to pick him up. And we got him and he strapped him in his car seat. And he was just like, he was pretty much in love from like from the very first moment he saw him. That's so awesome. So, and Christian's how old at this point? Christian, so Christian's almost at, or at the point eight. you guys picked So he up, was maybe. five at the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then Billy was a year and a half, so he didn't really know. It took him a really long time to even notice that Brayden existed, I think. <laughs> That's so funny. Just because of his personality. But now they're really close and they're really buddies, so. That's so awesome. Okay, so now you have these three boys in your house, and were you kind of like, okay, that's it? Like, this is good? Or what did you think? So, it was, um, so... Kind of to get back to the story initially of why we, we went this direction, it was just a miracle to me how everything just kind of fit together and um, angels came into my life to just help me. My parents moved in with us a little bit after we got Brayden and um, they were just moving into it with us while we were building and then they ended up just loving living with us so they decided to stay and it just, it all these things kind of came together to make my life so much easier. And I just, I have never felt that, that real depth of despair of just not making anything work since the day that we brought Brandon into our home. It was just like everything fell into place and it was such a huge blessing for us. So it's just kind of remarkable that it worked out like that. Right, that by adding more to your plate, you were able to finally feel like you could get everything done. I feel like I got my balance, yeah. It was just kind of amazing. And I felt like I was excelling more at work life and home life and everything. And about six months after we got Brayden, we were were anticipating um, bringing anyone else in um, for the time being. And we got a call, and... On our paperwork, we had put that we wanted four and under. You can specify gender, um, age, issues that you're willing to deal with and not willing to deal with, that sort of thing. And for us, we just felt like we wanted to keep Christian the oldest. So that's why we chose four and under. 
Okay. And I got a call and she said, okay, well, I have here on my paperwork that you're taking four to 14. Is that correct? Oh. And (laughs) (laughs) I said, no, that's not correct. We're four and under. And she said, oh. And it was kind of this awkward lull. And then she said, well, while we're on the phone, do you just want to hear about this girl I have? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And um, the sucker that I am, (laughs) I was like, yeah, tell me about her. Um, So she told me about this girl who's 14 and, you know, just a bright student. And she said all this really nice, all these really nice things about her. And I just felt like chills from head to toe. I just felt like instant love for her. And... But I just knew that Nick was never going to go for it. Because it was like one of those things where, you know, when you're bargaining with your husband on something and you're just like, no question, honey. Like, we will say no if they're over four. I would never do this to you. (laughs) Right. So you had sold him on that already. sold him on that. I bargained that out of the question. And so I said, you know, I'm probably just not even going to call you back because it's going to be a no for my husband. But I'll text you if there's any hope at all. And she said, okay. So I called Nick and I was like, just tell me too if I'm just droning on and on because this no, is just a subject that I can go perfect. crazy on. No. Okay. This is what we want. Okay, perfect. And I said, oh my gosh, I know you're going to freak out, but I just, I'm just telling you the facts. I just think we need to just pray about it before we make any decisions. But there's this girl, and I kind of told him what she had told me, and he was just like, oh, we don't have room, and what are you thinking? And I was just like, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know all the arguments <laughs> against it. <laughs> and we can say no. We just, I just feel like if we don't, like, do our due diligence of, you know, bringing this up in prayer, then we're not going to feel good about it. Right. And he just said, okay, you're right. That's fine. And I said, if we, if, you know, if we, if this is meant to be, then the fact that we don't have room doesn't matter. We have to make room. And if it's not, then it doesn't matter anyway, because it's not meant to be. Right. So he said, okay. And he was like, well, I'll think about it. I need to talk to the caseworker myself though and get some more information. So I said, okay. Um, And I had talked to the caseworker. I was actually out of town at the time. And he said, you can come meet her. And I said, well, I can't come meet her because I'm out of town right now. I could come in a couple days. And Nick's not going to come without me. So, and he said, yeah, for sure. Um, So anyway, I gave Nick the caseworker's number and then I had to work. So I called him a few hours later and I said, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm headed to meet this girl. And I was like, what? Wow. And he's got the babies and Christian with him, and he's headed to meet this girl. And I was just like, okay, well, let me know how it goes. I was shocked. So then I text, oh, so then he says, well, can I ask her, like, if she does drugs or, like, bad stuff? (laughs) And I was like, um, mm." and I had actually talked to my friend just, just, like, right before then that had teenagers and she had some really good advice. So I said, how about just ask her 
what she wants for her future. Rather than focusing on her past, just ask her what she wants for her future. So he said, okay, I can do that. Yeah, okay. So he goes, and then like an hour later, I text him, how did it go? And he said, guess what she wants to be when she grows up? And I said, what? And he said, a makeup artist. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, does that mean we can have her? (laughs) (laughs) And he just was like, kind of like defeated at that point. (laughs) So then I got home from my trip and he was like, well, I told her we, you were going to come meet her today. So we need to go over there um, and meet her. And I said, well, I don't want to go over there unless we're sure that we want to do this. Right are you sure? And he said, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is a good idea. Like he was just really, you know, not willing to kind of commit. Oh, and weird. I, a man not wanting to commit. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he's one of those people that once he commits to something, he's just in it 100%. Okay. He's never going to turn back. But So that's why it takes him a little while, you right. know? That's fair. So I was just like, okay, well, so should we go? And he's like, well, I told her you would meet her, so I'm I'm not going to lie to her. So we just got in the car and went over there, and we rang the doorbell. It was just kind of like this uh, group home kind of thing. And we rang the doorbell, and the guy comes to the door, and Nick said, we're here to see Anna. And he said, are you here to see Anna, or are you here to take her home? because I was under the impression you were going to take her home. Mm. And Nick just looked at me and looked back at him and said, we're here to take her home. What? (laughs) Were you surprised when he said that? I was just like, it was like an out-of-body experience. (laughs) I was just like, okay, we're doing this. Wow. Um, So, yeah. So, and that was two years ago. And now here we are. I I know for a fact, like, in my mind and my heart, that we were meant, meant for each other. I was meant to be Anna's mom, and she was meant to be my daughter. Sorry. We are just perfect for each other, and I just feel like I love her in a way that I just know she was meant to be mine. And it's just been such a huge blessing, And it's just been a real miracle for us. And I never thought that I would, I never thought that I would foster teens. I just thought that sounded like a really big job and something that I wasn't really interested in. So it's been just really cool to see yourself doing something you never saw yourself doing and just loving it as much as we do. Wow, that is so amazing. And I'm I'm over here crying too because I'm... (laughs) pregnant and that was beautiful We're and pregnant what are we gonna do I know oh my gosh so tell me about like how was that adjustment bring I mean I'm how was it different so, from Brayden the the two situations couldn't be more different from the court perspective from our perspective it's just I mean the difference between a nonverbal baby and a 14 year old are huge you know right the biggest thing that I was I think I was prepared for it because I did a lot of reading and a lot of studying and the one thing that I would 
say to anyone doing it is to have an expectation. The realistic expectation is that they're not going to be stoked about what you're doing. Even though you know what you're doing might be like a good thing. You got to think back when you were in eighth grade, were you like, thank you, mom and dad for being my mom and dad. Thank (laughs) you for giving me food and clothing. (laughs) No, like we don't think like that. And for some reason, I think in adoption and foster situations, we kind of expect people to think like that. You know, just that little orphan, anything like, oh, you must be so happy to be here. But when in reality, not only are they um, just getting their needs met, which every child expects to have done anyway, but also they are not, they're not getting something that they really think that they should have and they should and they deserve it, which is to be with their birth family and have everything go well. You know what I mean? Right. So they're really coming from a place that could come with anger and despair and, you know, lack of trust and, and just being patient with that was our best. The best thing that we ever did, I think, is just having patience and understanding and not expecting it to just be a seamless process. Yeah, there's a quote that I love so much that says, I didn't come here to teach you. I came to love you. Love will teach you. And I love that so much because that's really how we have been is I just knew that my goal wasn't any one thing. It wasn't, oh, that she graduated college or, oh, I want her to do any one thing because I just didn't know what her life, you know, those 14 years would do for her trajectory with or without me. You know what I mean? Right. What I wanted was just for her to feel unconditionally loved. That was like, that is still just my number one goal. And it's just been really amazing to see what unconditional love does for someone, even if it doesn't come with, you know, because it doesn't come with any strings attached just how that kind of does everything. And there's been so many times along the way that I thought, oh, should I crack down on this? Or should I, you know, should I, and everyone kind of, everyone's different and everyone has, but I just felt like I was really led um, by the spirit to just love and just pour my love into her and just see her as beautiful human being that she is and see her for everything that makes her wonderful and really just forget anything else and put it out of my mind and focus there. And it's just been like seeing a little flower (laughs) just bloom and blossom. That's Um, so cool. Well, that's what, I mean, I feel like that's what everyone needs is just, you know, I mean, there's a reason why that's like the second commandment, right? Yeah. To love others. And I feel like if, if there's anything that, you know, the Savior wanted us to learn during his ministry on earth is just figure that out, figure out how to love people. So. Exactly. That's pretty cool that you guys, like, what, what an amazing thing for your whole family to learn, for your kids to learn hands-on. I mean, just to see that. Um, yeah. Yeah.
for them to kind of have to learn to share and to open up to having new people in the home and yeah that was a lot of Nick's concern like I said in the beginning is how that would be for our kids to adjust to and I think for Christian it was it was a big shift of attention because his attention basically got cut in half right as an older kid you know obviously so much of our attention goes to the two toddlers and then you have this older kid attention left over and that got split in half too. So it was a big, you know, in just a matter of a few years, we went from him being the only child to him being one of four. And like and, the middle child. Yeah. And Anna and I, in the beginning and even still, we spent a lot of time together. She can, you know, she can pal around with me at places that Christian never could or would want to. And so she does get a lot of my attention. And I really have been so blown away by his reaction to it, which has been nothing but positive. He just has loved her from the beginning. And she, you know how most teenagers are not that, like, into younger siblings anyway. Right. I sure Um, wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And my elder siblings thought I was the most annoying thing. In the beginning, I think she just kind of thought he was annoying, and then she just really grew to love him, and and they're really, you know, we we have a really happy family, and we don't have a lot of fighting, even between the two babies, which they're not really babies anymore, but we still call them that. We still call Annie and Lila babies, and they're three and five, I get it. Okay, it's so fine. you get it. <laughs> so, that is just, that's like... One of the things I'm most proud of about our family is they're just pretty darn good to each other. They share and they're loving and, you know, Anna will go rollerblading with Christian or she'll go play catch with him. She'll share anything she has with him. And that's like every mother's dream. It really is. (laughs) I think I'm so lucky. And Christian is so good to his younger brothers and she's so helpful with the younger kids so it's really, like I said, just kind of blended perfectly. And that's one of the things that I always want to show people. I think if people do have foster families in their lives, at least this was for me, and I don't know if this was for everyone, but the few foster families I knew of, it was such a huge part of their identity as a family. They always have new kids coming in and out. They have this huge family. Um, it seems to be kind of the focal point of their family is that they're a foster family. And a lot of people just aren't attracted to that, right? Because maybe that's just not what you want. You just want a normal family, quote unquote. What is a normal family, though? Yeah, exactly. But what I feel like, I just feel like whatever that is, that's what we are. We're just a normal family. We don't have, you know, it's not, I don't think we're that much different than any other family. We don't have a huge family. We don't have... Uh, you know, a ton of kids in and out. We don't have. So I just, I love to share that with people that there's not just one way to do this. This is so beautiful for these foster families that take so many kids in and learn to love so many different kinds of people. And it's so neat, but, but that's not everyone's path. Mm -hmm. And for us, we live a very, average life we have we need me and Nick both have jobs we have four kids and they're just our kids and there's really nothing 
about us that would be so much different than any family that has never been touched by adoption, except that it's just a unique, you know, it's just our unique story. Right. That's really cool to hear that. And it's probably something I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. Um, Well, people think sometimes I'm just like, even while you're going through the court system, I just say, you know, it's kind of like taking on a sport. It's kind of like taking on your kid being in Little League. You'll have appointments that you didn't have before, but it's not going to take over your whole life. So what do you feel like if you could go back and talk to yourself before all of this started, what do you wish you would have known or could have told yourself beforehand? That's a hard question to ask, but I feel like I was fairly well prepared and I didn't have a lot of surprises, but I think that just, it wouldn't be, well, this is probably a terrible thing to say because I think everyone's situation is different, but I thought it would be a lot harder than it was, and then it ended up being. I just thought it would be a huge sacrifice, and I was doing it because I wanted to I was willing to sacrifice for this person. You know what I mean? I thought I was doing it for someone else and it blessed me so much and us so much that I don't, it doesn't seem like a charitable act to me anymore. I don't experience it that way. It just seems like being a mom and just loving my kids. That's amazing. That's so cool. Okay. Here's a question that I've really wanted to ask you that, especially for the purposes of this podcast, I feel like is really important for Mint Arrow messages. So what do you wish people would not say or would? And, and I feel like usually this question is because people just don't know better, you know? Exactly. What are the things that people shouldn't say? And like you said, people just don't know better. And I really try to be super not patient, but just, I don't want people to feel so scared to ask questions that they just never ask questions. Right. And then, you know, we don't get anywhere, but I think for us in our particular situation, we have had most, I mean, almost everyone has been very like respectful and appropriate. Um, but I just think passing on information, the one thing that kind of drives me crazy is everyone's heard or most people seem to have heard a really bad story about foster care or something that went really bad. And it seems like those stories get shared every time fostering comes up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of bad things that happen in regular parenting. There's a lot of bad things that happen in any kind, you know, in marriage or in anything there, you know, there's a horror story for every good thing in the world. Yes. And I just wish people would focus on the kids and the cool stories. And it doesn't really matter how many horror stories there are because there are still kids that need loving. And that's kind of my biggest thing is I just wish we could focus on the positives of it. And I think the negative connotation around fostering and the stigma around it will eventually go away if we continue to do that. And there will always be bad situations. Right. And we should be prepared, you know, but on the the other hand, there will always be kids that need love. And that's more important to me. Right. 
Well, that's good advice. That's that's good for me to hear, too, because I feel like in all of these situations where, you know, life just is a little bit different for one person than it is for the, like you said, quote, normal family, which I don't even know Uh what that is. Right. There's always going to be things that until you've experienced it, you don't know better. So, um, totally. And like, aside from that would just be, you know, Oh, is this your, is this your foster daughter or something? Which rarely happens. I think people are pretty smart about that, but, um, you know, I never want one of my children to feel any different than the other children. And so I would never really want someone to bring something like that up in front of them. Right. That makes um, sense. Yeah. And in our family, it's kind of a, <laughs> we have quite the mixed bag because we have, I always kind of joke that I have four babies with four different baby daddies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we have, what do I call it? A yours or a mine, ours, and theirs. <laughs> Family. That's funny. <laughs> well, um, so really everyone in our family is unique. Right. What a cool thing for your kids to experience and to be able to have that life experience to take into whatever they end up doing as adults and when they start their own families. And, like, what a unique perspective that they'll have that most kids don't. Yeah. I think it's such a beautiful thing for them to know that we as a family, as part of our values we want to open our home to people in need and we want to love them like we love each other and what better way to teach them that than to do it you know yeah okay tell me if people are like wow this sounds kind of interesting and I think I might want to do this but I don't even know where to start like what what's your suggestion for people who want to be involved in the solution for kids who need love like you're saying First of all, that is so exciting. <laughs> I love to hear of people getting involved because it's this thing that if we could get, it would be just a fraction of a percent of people more interested in this. Even a fraction of a percent of just religious people in America, if they would do it, we would completely, right now, overall, it's three kids for every one home. That's the ratio, which means you're kind of putting kids in homes that maybe aren't a perfect fit because you need to get them in the home and maybe homes have too many kids. And that means there are kids in group homes, which is never good for them. Mm -hmm. And so my goal is to switch that number from three to every one home to three homes to every one child. So at least the caseworker has some options and can get a good fit and to get the right home for these kids. They should have a pick of a few, in my opinion. So, and that wouldn't take much. It just takes just a few more people getting interested. So, first of all, that, that would just make me so excited. And second of all, just in your area, everyone has, the first step is usually a call. So if you just Google foster care and then your city and state, um, you'll be directed to a phone number. And they really try to make it pretty easy on you to get through the process because so, they need homes. So tell me, too, about we, – we talked a little bit about this earlier, about if you are more like, hey, I want this to be more of a permanent thing versus mm-hmm. I don't want my door to be like a revolving door for my kids or my family or whatever. 
tell me more about that, like the fostering to adopt versus fostering and kind of what the differences are there. Yes. Okay. So, and it's different in every state. So I can only speak for Utah, exactly how Utah does it. You know, either way, you're going to be able to get the information, but as a general rule, there's fostering and then there's foster to adopt and then there's adopt from foster care. So foster to adopt is not a guarantee that you're going to be able to adopt far from it. We were very lucky. Both of our kids we've been able to keep permanently, but, um, that's not always the case and they never know. Nobody has a crystal ball and they never know how the situation is going to go. Typically when kids come into foster care, the goal is to get them back with their, with their parents. And that should be the goal because they are their parents and they, they almost always want them back. It's just in cases of abuse and neglect, are they going to be able to make it a safe place for the child to come home to? So with us, because we were a foster to adopt family, they gave us cases that they felt were likely to go to adoption. Okay. Like I said, it still could have gone the other way, but for us, it didn't. But that's something you expressed when you started this process. Yes. So they knew we were interested in adoption, and so they gave us cases that were likely to go there, and they did go there. With fostering, just straight fostering, um, they would give you cases that are neither here nor there probably, and then they might be there for a short time, they might be there for a long time, um, and they might come up for adoption, but that would depend whether you're interested in adoption or not, whether you would choose to go that route. You wouldn't ever obviously be, you know, in a position where you had to adopt. And then there's adopting from foster, and that's when kids are already free for adoption. So that is a guarantee, basically. Okay. Um, it's kids who are in foster homes that are not open for adoption, that their rights are terminated, their parental rights are terminated. So now they're free for adoption. There's no parents standing in the way. They just need a home. So there's kind of three different categories. So some people are just really turned off by the idea of ever having to give a child back. And to them, I recommend maybe going the straight adoption route. Okay. But are there cases where it's maybe good to have a child in your home to make sure that's a good fit? And I don't know, is that a terrible thing to say? No, no, no. And that's, we decided to go the foster adopt route because um, of two reasons. One, we, moving child, children from home to home is incredibly difficult for them. You can imagine just having new parents and having to get used to someone and then having them kind of ripped out of your life. It's very, very difficult. So we felt if we could do the FOSS to adopt, we could save a child from having to move around. And basically, once you come into our home, you either stay here forever or you go home to your parents. You're never going to move and just go to another home. And in my mind, if if we had a lot more people than, and everyone did that, then it would be the best case scenario because then kids would just have to move less. But because that isn't the case just yet, the adoption route, still you have six months before any adoption is final. So if there was something that kind of disrupted the adoption and it wasn't a good fit, it wouldn't be permanent until six months. But yeah, you probably would want to vet it out as good as possible before you brought him into the home. And I'm sure the caseworker would as well, just to help 
facilitate less moves for them. Right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And typically with the straight adoption route, they're a little bit older and you could be dealing with more, I don't know how to explain it, developmental issues or emotional issues just because they're kids that have probably been moved around a lot. But they need homes too. A lot of times it's a really good situation if you're a little bit older and your kids are older and they, they could be the youngest or they could be the only child. But not always. That just tends to be the case in, in what I've seen. Okay. Yeah, that makes Sorry, sense. Sorry, am I giving so much information? No, I love it. I, I just, this is just really interesting to me because a lot of this I don't know. And I, even me, like, I'm worried about asking anything that's offensive. I want to make sure that I'm asking it yeah. in, in a way that is respectful. And I just think what you're doing is so cool. And it's just, it's cool to hear from somebody that I know and love and respect what you're you know, what your perspective is and how this has really been. I knew you would give it to me straight. I knew you'd tell me like actually (laughs) how it is and yeah, not sugarcoat it. But at the same time, I love that you're like, we just need more positivity about this. And, and these kids just need to be loved. And that's really, well, and I know there are more difficult situations and I never want to paint a picture. Like everyone's will be just like ours because we have had a sugarcoated version I think no question because it's just been so wonderful and seamless and it's not that it hasn't been hard. I think having teenagers is always hard. Right. (laughs) There's always going to be moments where you're just questioning your whole self and what you're doing and, and having two toddlers is really dang hard, but nobody really anticipates that parenting is going to be easy no matter how you come across it. Uh, And if you do, you're going to be sadly mistaken. Right. But yeah, I kind of joke because Christian's like, the other day he was like, well, what was your hardest or what was your easiest birth, mom? And I was like, well, Brayden and Anna would be my very easiest. (laughs) (laughs) They were my easiest to come by by a long shot. That's so funny. That's awesome. Okay, so I we've just I feel like I've learned so much and I have such a better understanding of not only like the story of how you got into all of this, but just to understand like what we can do and how we can be progressive and I guess I just want to end on like what's your greatest hope or belief that you want to pass along about fostering or adopting that you know what's what's the message that you really want people to take home from all of this? That is a good question. Um, I would just say that every single child deserves to be loved unconditionally, and everyone deserves a family. And it's something we take so for granted when we've always had one. But to really put yourself in the shoes of someone who just wants a family, and how could we not want to be that family to them? Just like um, one of my friends was telling me, that when she was in her group home and parents would come to see them, they would get in their nice clothes and they would brush their hair and brush their teeth because they just wanted a family and so they wanted someone to want them. And that just breaks my heart into a million pieces because I just think everyone deserves that and they shouldn't have to ask for it. They should just get it. Wow. Well, <laughs> now I have no words for that. Just wow. (laughs) But I agree with you. I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know that there are many things that that we could do that would matter more. Oh my gosh. Well, Kara, thanks so much. I know you are like one of the busiest people on the planet. So I just really appreciate you. you taking the time to talk to me about this and help us be more educated and understanding and just aware of how we can make a difference. And I know there are people who are going to listen to this, who this is going to be exactly what they need to hear right? in order for them to take the next step to doing something that they know that their family needs. So, Well, that's my biggest hope. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's such a huge honor. You're such a light in the lives of so many people, including me. So I really, really love you. And thank you. Thanks, Kara. I love you too. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. 